Welcome to Strengthen the Numbers. My name is Wei Chen Yong, a global finance leader that champions environmental sustainability and gender equality. It is my ambition to bring business and social movement leaders to the show, deconstruct with them their stories, lessons learned into practical advice for us to remain relevant in accounting and finance while making a positive impact to the society. With that, let's go over to the show. Good morning, everyone. Um, Indran Purushottaman has built a global finance career from launching new operations to transformation in corporate finance and fundraising. He is a CPA from Australia with a master in applied finance. He's also certified in project management. What stood out from his career was a mindset that is always curious commercial acumen, and he takes calculated risks for the appropriate rewards. He has lived across multiple continents, from Asia to the West, and visited more than 50 countries. Outside of work, Indran enjoys reading out on international relations, history, and management. He has a very active lifestyle, loves sports, and especially indoor cycling, field hockey, and football. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, he has just left Cambodia where he was the interim CFO for Urban Living Solutions and has just returned to Australia where he is from. We are very happy to have him in the midst of this pandemic crisis still to come and talk to us on coming to our show today, sharing with us his global experiences and perspective on how can our profession create and add values now in the midst of the crisis and how can we emerge stronger with our business partners and thank you Indran for joining us. Thank you Virgin, totally excited to be on the show with you and grateful for the opportunity to share some of my experiences with your global audience. Yes, glad to have you as well Indran. So, so maybe as a start if you would like to share with our audience a little bit more about your story where do you start your career and how do you get to where you are now? Especially in Cambodia sure. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, sure. Look, as alluded in the intro, I've got a rather diverse career in terms of roles undertaken, the global footprint and sectors worked in. So from a roles perspective, my career has evolved through five key phases, if you like, over the past three decades. The first phase, about five years, was in nuts and bolts accounting roles within the profession and the banking sector, covering the core from processing accounting transactions, month-end closing, to more analytical work around budgeting and, and financial planning analysis. And subsequent to that, the second phase, which was in my late 20s, and after I'd done some extensive backpacking around Europe in 1990 to see the World Cup in Italy, uh, and after, and most significantly, after having cramped uh, through an MBA in international business, was a role that essentially, were well, roles that essentially was strategic finance or internal troubleshooting in nature. This is where I developed a deeper understanding of process improvement at BMW Finance in Melbourne, and later after my MBA at uh, Borrell in Sydney, where I learned about developing uh, operational KPIs, corporate finance analysis, systems implementation, and corporate restructuring. 
And phase three then, um, this is going back in the mid-90s, was when I decided to return from Sydney back to Melbourne to be closer to my aging parents, one of the best decisions of my life, to be closer with them. And, and what I felt was missing in my career, having done the accounting and then the internal consulting work, if you like, was the exposure to the rigors of, that come with an external consulting career. So I deliberately wrote to the big big four firms, especially KPMG Consulting, who offered me with a great opportunity to join their finance and general management practice. I spent the next three years, arguably the most intense and enjoyable part of my career so far, entrenched in corporate finance advisory work uh, on the privatization of the Victorian gas and electricity sector. So lots of complex financial modeling, uh, discounted cash flow valuation, and critically cultivating the consulting mindset. This piqued an interest in real options analysis, valuation, and hence led to me pursuing the Masters of Applied Finance, which eventually led to an opportunity in investment banking. Again, another element that was missing from my experience, the dishing out experience, the dishing out of finance, uh, if you like, uh, from a banker's perspective. Then phase four, which was around about 20 years ago, all about me venturing out on my own. And in, in kind of a way commenced while I was still, uh, I was my second year at the ANZ in Melbourne, when I came across an opportunity to moonlight and support a couple of New York-based entrepreneurs who were in the midst of raising equity capital for their digital uh, media startup. So thanks to the emergence of the internet, cheaper um, phone calls, and the 14-hour time difference, I was able to do remote work 20 years ago after my day after finishing my day job at the, uh, at the ANZ. I struck a very simple handshake deal with the two founders that besides getting paid for my services, uh, that they would sponsor me over to New York to set up the finance function should we be successful in raising the three and a half million. We were successful in doing so. And in July uh, 2002, nine months after September 11, I found myself uh, in New York City. I spent the next, uh, what was meant to be a six month experience, uh, experiment, that resulted in seven years thing, arguably some of the best times of my life, in most definitely the greatest city I've ever lived, New York City. And where I built a freelance management consulting practice servicing clients in New York, Washington, D.C., and L.A. However, with the economic downturn in 2009, um, unfortunately, I had to call it quits in the U.S. Uh, you know, it was hard collecting fees from clients and, you know, and business was slow. Uh, but rather than returning back home to Australia, I scored a rather intriguing two-year CFO engagement in Mumbai, India, with a Malaysian company that was implementing India's first monorail project. This kicked off my current phase, phase five, if you like, of being a transformational CFO, where I would go into entities to solve meaty and complex problems. And a bit like being a finance paramedic, where you know you need to assess the situation quickly, figure out what really matters, stabilize the environment, bring the temperature down, if you like, and concurrently collaborate with others across the organization to craft and execute a solution. Now, over the last decade, I've been rather mobile, um, you know, taking up CFO level engagements in New York, uh, Melbourne. But nine months ago, I landed in Cambodia. The last time I was in Cambodia was in 97, 23 years ago as an interpret traveler. Never did I think that will be back for work. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it, it goes to show in the importance of building a strong network, global or otherwise. Uh, it's something that I learned a long time ago and, you know, always continue to cultivate and develop. Wow, well said. What an experience. I guess, you know, 
an exciting journey that you've taken on, but what really impressed me was the clear awareness that you have at every phases of your career. You were so clear about the gaps in your experiences and you have such a strong growth mindset. You continue to learn and develop yourself and to you know, get to where you are right now, a very you know, well-rounded global finance professional. So on that journey, if there was one moment that you know stands out as that what would that be yeah what is intriguing about the last three decades or so most of the roles that i've landed uh, in have been through my own effort writing to companies directly so let me go back and you know pivot back to right at the start i think one of the greatest um, there were many great moments and you know several not so great moments as well but i think it's the foundation of my global career and, and the confidence and inspiration that has stood me throughout the, these uh, last three decades was fortunate at the very beginning. Where, you know, around the experience of me securing my very first job with Arthur Young, back then one of the big eight uh, in Wellington, New Zealand. Now, having done, let me set the context. Having done my undergraduate studies in Australia, I returned to a recession-savage Malaysia in um, 1986 and couldn't find work there. Given the migration rules in Australia were that you had to be away from Australia for two years before you could migrate, I decided, well, let me look you know, to work somewhere else um, that made sense. And, and that was New Zealand, given the, the common links between Australia and New Zealand. I thought, well, let me explore opportunities to work in New Zealand. So I'm not sure what inspired me to do that, but I walked up to the High Commission in New, uh, the New Zealand High Commission in KL and um, dug up the telephone books, found out the addresses uh, of the big eight accounting firms and wrote to the partners there and suggested in my letter, and back then you had to write letters, that I could attend interviews in Melbourne uh, when I was back from my graduation in Australia in, in April 86. And Arthur Young and Pete Marwick organized interviews for me in the Melbourne office. Arthur Young came through a very interesting offer, a role within the business services uh, practice. So if you like, right from day one, I had forged a global mindset. Indeed, finding work in another city from a current location has been a recurring theme throughout my career. I was in Melbourne when I found work in Sydney. I was in Sydney when I was found work in, in Melbourne. I was in, in Melbourne when I found work in New York. And from New York, I moved to India. And, uh, and later on in Melbourne, I moved to Abu Dhabi, explored opportunities in, in China. And, uh, and most recently, of course, you know, from Melbourne, I scored an opportunity in, in Cambodia. And it's all about taking initiatives cultivating a global network and backing yourself. Wow, okay. Impressed with what you describe of your career, that courage that you have, taking that calculated risk and making that bold decision from, from writing a letter to the partner at, at KPMG or, or Arthur Young is what you talk about. And that global mindset, I think that mindset is so important for all of us, especially in the midst of, of this crisis right now. But coming back to your role right now in Cambodia, yeah. um, I'm sure our audience you know, will be very interested to know, um, how does the day look like for you as the finance leader at Urban Living Solutions in Cambodia? Sure. So let me let me give you a quick background of Urban Living Solution. Um, it's Urban Living Solutions, a privately held company, single shareholder, developed on uh, focus on the development of mixed-use real estate projects. So it's you know, condominiums, office space, retail space as well, targeting community-based living. And we've got about 22 employees. We've got about six projects in our pipeline. Uh, we've done about uh, three uh, to date, and you know, six more to go. 
expecting to generate more than uh, 400 in sales over the next couple of years. This is pre-COVID pandemic situation, uh, I guess. Now, it's been still pretty much uh, in a transformation phase. And I guess that's the reason why I was hired to help transform the finance function and create a function that can support future growth. And uh, albeit the pandemic will pose a challenge to our growth as, as it would you know, for any for, for growth in, any, in every company as such. My typical day uh, involves moving here on several fronts. Now that I've got a finance roadmap to work towards, and so it involves, you know, a lot, a lot of work. Uh, a lot of my uh, day is spent right now in the last week or two has been on the uh, implementation of a new ERP uh, system. We're looking to implement Microsoft Dynamics, um, working out the requirements with our Hong Kong-based implementation team, and evaluating the recent batches of posting by by my team to see whether you know, the system is working properly as it what it should intended. There's also a huge element um, every day that I spend working closely with the project development director uh, who we hired recently uh, um, from Spain to help create the framework to monitor the progress of our up- upcoming projects. Feasibility modeling is another uh, element I get stuck uh, dealing with the CEO. He gets approached on multiple new deals and hence there's a need for us to uh, develop a comprehensive feasibility framework to evaluate these projects. There's also the ongoing, you know, daily uh, work around finance transactions, approving, closing. We are wrapping up closing the final stages, the financial reconstruction exercise for prior financials. There were, you know, books were reported on a cash basis, so we had to convert that into accrual. So there's a bit of closing up on, on a few things like that, close ends. But one thing that happens every day is staff mentoring. Almost every conversation I have is I take it as an opportunity to be a teachable moment. It's a young team that I have, a great team, you know, grateful for the fact that they all want to learn. But you know, every conversation is a great opportunity to teach them, whether it's on leadership, decision making, taking initiative, problem solving, or just finance related issues. So will you say that you know that mentoring and teaching or developing people as one of the most exciting moments for you right now for your role? Sounds like you really enjoy that. And you know, talking to you right now, I can feel that the energy, that passion that you have around talent development. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, that is the most exciting thing. I mean, my role, as I see, is having hired people or having an inherited team is to make them the best they can. And if they develop and they grow from that, that's I've done my job. Let's say, man, my aim in the teams that I want to build are teams, I want to build a team that is curious. I want people who, who, are, who are willing to think and want to think, because if you're not thinking, I don't really want you to my team. And then I want people who are open-minded, because no one knows everything, okay? Not even Donald Trump. So, you know, we need to be open-minded and willing to learn from others. And I, because someone else, the team or someone else, the organization may have an idea to a solution that we're facing or the organization is facing. And finally, what I look for in people is people who can collaborate because you can ask all the right questions, you know, and, and you can be curious and you can get all the information from everyone. But unless you're willing to collaborate with others, you can't get things done. So that's what, you know, yeah, definitely building, um, mentoring a team and building them, getting the best of the team is what excites me and, and motivates me most. Wow, well said. I still remember one of the best leaders that I've ever worked with. She used to say to me that one of the recipes for success is to re- surround herself 
with very talented and good people. So you have to invest in your team before you and the team can be successful. So switching gear over to supporting your business stakeholders. Um, share with our audience, how do you and your team partner and value create for the business now in the midst of the pandemic, which is very interesting time, and also post the COVID-19? Sure. Since we're a developer and uh, we actually don't do the construction ourselves, we, you know, we engage other firms to, to be collaborate with other firms to do that. And we've got a rather entrepreneurial CEO at the helm who's constantly being bombarded with opportunities across the country. Uh, much of my focus has been to working closely with the project development director and the CEO to map up on the tools and the analysis that we need to do to evaluate these opportunities and how we should manage and set them up, how we should evaluate the new, new project and also monitor their progress once the projects have been embarked on you know the what if analysis given that the with the pandemic you know hey you know we're going to expect sales to slow down and ex expect people to extend the payment uh, cycle if you like so you know, we need to come up with a robust kind of analysis on you know what can we do and what can we, you know what's our comfort level and and what projects need to perhaps be to be held back or delayed until till we find out till we have a greater insight as such. Okay, I keep yeah, having yeah, myself so. on mute, but on the tools and evaluation and the what if analysis. Now, coming to talk about that mindset of finance professional at this very uncertain time, how do you see that mindset kind of complement together with all those tools, which some of them can be a little static? So which kind of come in? As, a, as more important for us to navigate through this crisis together with the business. Sure, look, your audience, I think, would have come across the term uh, VUCA, V-U-C-A, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And I reckon no time, no other time than the current time where we, we are facing greater volatility, greater uncertainty, complex issues, and ambiguity. So I think the single most important trait that we need to be able to cultivate is the, the ability to be comfortable with all these factors. We have we be comfortable with ambiguity. We're not going to have all the information that we need to make decisions, but we need to make decisions to go forward. And it is being comfortable with the uncomfortable, with being able to see, uh, foresee uh, the, the future to some degree, to have a sense of imagination. And all that comes from actually understanding that your business end to end. So when you understand your business end to end and understand how the different components of the business interact, that will help you understand, you know, hang on, if something happens in sales, uh, you know, how is that going to impact on cash flow and how will that impact on paying our development or construction partners as such? You know, maybe if there's a need to accelerate some construction work so that, you know, we can actually show, you know, things out there to help from the, the sale process, you know, like, oh, could be vice versa. Yes, indeed. I guess the one of the learning for myself during the crisis is, um, indeed, in addition to VOCA, as what you talk about, VUCA, it's the only certainty in life right now is uncertainty. So yes. we will need to live with that. Now, in terms of post-COVID-19, what is your view and how do you see finance playing a proactive role in terms of supporting the business and emerging stronger together with the business? Sure, sure. I've, um, I've actually got a fairly optimistic view of the future. I think it will come out as a globe. 
uh, as a world uh, stronger, more united, like a, a lot more compassionate. You know, I think people will understand if they, you know, didn't know before that how interconnected we are, you know, how the, the waves sort of fall across the whole world as such. I think also for, at, a, at a personal level too, I'd say that given I do a lot of interim work and remote work, I think uh, that market will explode. So I think finance people will have to get more comfortable in doing work uh, remotely and we've got the technology to do that now. In fact, you know, in, in my roadmap when I went to see my CEO about, you know, moving back from Cambodia to Australia to see out the rest of my contract the next two and a half months to do work remotely, I had 11 items were on the agenda and said, look, you know, 10 of the 11 items I can do effectively from anywhere in the world. And the one item was something that, you know, we can delegate to somebody else uh, on the ground to, to help out and do. And there was, you know, it was not going to be critical. Okay, so I'm going to switch gear over to something lighter, not so much yeah. on the COVID-19 anymore, given the fact that we are every day bombarded with different news and COVID-19. So something, you know, um, at more of a personal level, some of the lightning questions that we have always for our uh, mentor. If you were to kind of look at your career, different faces, you mentioned about five faces. What yeah. is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Cool, yeah. Look, the importance of transparency. You know, if this is, a, this is a piece of advice that Tony Berg, the former CEO of Borrow, and, uh, and prior to that, he was the MD of Macquarie Bank, shared with us back in, uh, in the mid-90s. And he said, look, you know, if there's an issue arises, it's best to report up early, uh, but go in with a solution in mind, or at the very least, having thought about a solution, but how you can resolve the issue. And, you know, the, I guess the importance of being transparent and letting your boss know early is there's a slight chance, as Tony explained, that and he or she might be able to help you solve the problem. But also, once you mention it, they can't say that they weren't informed. And you know, then you've drawn them into the uh, solution, at least into the thinking process. And perhaps they can direct you to others who might be able to help you solve the issue. Now, obviously, don't go in, you know, to them with a really nilly, uh, really nilly problem, but you know, with issues that are critical. And, uh, and it's judgment as to you know, what you'll need to uh, over time, you'll you realize what is you know what is critical and what you should bring uh, to them. But always in the in, in the early stage, uh, ongoing, more frequently than not, they will let you know, and you'll know yourself when you should go. And I think they'll be they'll appreciate that you coming to them. I, this is something I've always told my team: look, come and see me. I'm totally approachable. No questions, silly. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to get angry. But uh, if you don't tell me, and I find out, and then I'll be disappointed, you know, and angry as such. But it's being open too, and it's a two-way thing. Yes, I, I cannot agree more about that transparency. That's one of the lessons learned that I have throughout my career as well. So, you know, earlier we talked about that you have uh, all different wide variety of interests um, and you enjoy reading books. Um, so, if you could recommend one book to our listeners, what would that be and why? One book, come on, there's so many books that come to mind. And, and look, you know, some of the recent reads, if you like, um, is Andrea Clark's Future Fit, David Epstein's Range, and Stacey Coppa's How to Be Resilient. But, you know, if you're thinking about one book that has been, if I think about one book that has been rather influential, and one that I read probably about 10 years ago, and that's good for our listeners to read, is How Will You Measure Your Life by the Harvard... Uh, HBS professor Clay, uh, Clayton Christensen, who unfortunately passed away recently. Christensen urges you know, his readers to understand the purpose of life, question you know, 
what is it, you know, why we're here, you know, what are we looking to achieve? And also to think about the metric that we want our life to be judged. You know, and he talks about the importance of humility and about, you know, being willing to le uh, listen to others for ideas and solutions. And also more importantly about avoiding making the marginal cost error and caving into, you know, oh, I'll do it once, you know, I'll make, uh, I'll compromise once. Cause you know, if you compromise once, you'll always compromise. And three questions he poses to his MBA graduates uh, last day in the class is ask yourself this introspective questions. How sure can I be that I'll enjoy, I'll be happy in my career? How can I be sure that I'll, I'll have an uh, enjoy a relationship that's my family that's enduring and the source of happiness? And very critically, is how I'll stay out of jail. This is actually a, a question of integrity, you know, and, and keeping to your principles. And faced with a situation, a corporate governance situation about five, six years ago, you know, he's coming back and rereading his article and the book, and particularly on and the third question, helped me frame and my approach to how I should handle it. And and you know, I obviously did the right thing. You know, didn't you know, didn't cave in, and because I wasn't going to cave in once. So it's a great book, and it's something that you know I'd urge people to read and um, a lot to learn from it. Wow, yes, for sure. I will check this book out. And, and thank you for sharing with me the HBR article. And we will for sure post it on our SITN show as well so that uh, our listeners get to read the article and also checking out the book as well. And, yeah. you know, coming back to the fascinating career journey or life journey that you have, that five phases that you talk about, um, if there is one, you know, important issue that you've changed your mind, um, you know, what would that be? And, and, you know, how did it happen? Any lesson learned that you wanted to share with our listeners? There have been a few critical, and let me let me talk about something that happened very recently, and wrap it up with you know what what the lesson is. Is you know, you know, as a manager and indeed as, as a leader in any role, in and indeed in any role you play, I've always felt we are paid to make decisions. Often in today's volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world, you know, we'll need to make it with limited, incomplete, or even potentially inaccurate data, but nonetheless we need to make the call. So about ten days ago. I made the decision to to return to Australia, which was a change from a decision that I had uh, made prior, two days prior to that. When I said, look, you know, I'm going to stay out the rest of my contract to the end of July in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, do the handover in, in July, and then return after that. About a fortnight ago, um, the Australian government, as Australian embassy in Cambodia, advised all Australians based in Cambodia that they were in the final stages of negotiating a flight to evacuate Australians out of Cambodia back to Australia and urged all of us who were keen to return to lodge their interests as they were expecting stricter lockdowns in Australia and potentially in Cambodia too. So this was just before Cambodia announced its uh, its own lockdown or restriction in travel. So initially, while um, my decision was to stay in Cambodia, but upon reflecting the fact that for the last month or so that I've been working from home and very effectively, and indeed you know, having the, the quietness of the home, I was able to think through a lot of uh, strategic uh, issues and you know and resolve that uh, without being the the daily distraction of uh, people running in and out the office as such um, I didn't see any reason why I couldn't work remotely from Australia so I went in to see my CEO uh, two days before my flight was two, uh, two days before the flight was uh, confirmed that hey I've got 
I went in with a comprehensive roadmap, a game plan on how I can manage things remotely uh, to the end of my contract and do, you know, all, you know, and execute it to its fullness. And when he agreed, it was an easy decision to reverse the my prior decision of leaving, staying on to Cambodia, but to leave on, on, on Sunday. And as it turned out, it's a great decision. It, the team, you know, my team understood why I was chose to leave and I didn't want to be find myself in Cambodia in July and, and not being able to return to Australia such or, or not being able to leave Cambodia when you know when things uh, when the gig ended it. I'm now back in Australia and I'll work through my um I've, n- I've never been busier actually. This uh, many nights actually I've been working from you know nine to, to nine or ten at night actually because so the Cambodian um time zone is three hours back so I'm still working with the guys as they wrap up the day. But also now that I'm in Australia, I can now slowly get back into the market. Uh, do an in-market search as such, and it also validates that we can do this CFO level remotely at you know at the very highest level too. So yeah, so that that was something. Um, I think the key lesson from this is to look always evaluate the situation, be open to you could potentially make a change in mind, but that's what we're paid to, right? Uh, yes. we, we meant to evaluate issues and change, you know, if the, the facts change, so to speak. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I love this example of yours in terms of your decision-making process, keeping that agility and flexibility, mm. especially in time of crisis. There isn't really a right or wrong answer, but is to assess the situation exactly as you said, and take the courage to make that call. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation with you, Indran. It's been fascinating. Thank you. The, the, the life journey, the career choices that you have made, you know, throughout your life, especially that five faces. I am always going to, I may steal that at some point. When Absolutely. I you, but you know, you've got a career too. I've looked at your LinkedIn profile. You've got a very interesting career yourself. So look, you're a leader yourself and, and you know that. And good on you on, on, on this initiative as well with Andrew and, and the team it's because we have all great leaders in the community like yourself um you know that's coming out and sharing the stories and lessons and insights um therefore our show can go on so thank you so much on behalf of sitn as well and you know wonderful to hear your story fascinating story about your life and your growth mindset that is something that for sure our listeners will take away. Um, that global connection, global mindset, yes. um, growth mindset in terms of continue to grow and develop. And one last thing I really like about our conversation earlier was about, you know, um, what you alluded to our ways of working is changing now. And it's going to be more changes as well, post-COVID as well, specifically yeah. on the remote working arrangement and the interim finance role that you're going to see more and more that coming out. I think something for our finance professional to really think about, as in, you know, um, that people worry about the jobs at this point, but they should really think about, like take themselves out from that worry, but think about, you know, with the changes, with the new ways of working, people are working virtually, remotely, and very effectively from your experience. What are yes. the other job opportunities that's out there? There are plenty of them out there. Before we end the show, any passing thoughts that you wanted to share with our listeners? Sure, I think a long time mentor of mine has been, are you green and growing or ripe and rotting? That's an underlying question. You know, I, I guess the underlying question from that is, you know, you should be always be looking to learn and develop yourself. So always ask yourself, 
are you green and growing in this role in this in the constitution or are you ripe and rotting and uh, and you know and yeah no, it's a great um, um, it's a great mentor to have and something that's stuck you know for more than 20 odd years actually Yes, I like that as well. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners after this podcast is going to want to get in touch with you to continue that conversation. So yeah. what are some of the ways that our listeners can get in touch with you after this? So two easy ways. One is you know, to look me up on, uh, on LinkedIn, so Indran Prashothman. And I've actually been a very long-term uh, LinkedIn user since uh, November 2003. So one of the early, early pioneers, actually. And obviously, email, which is imranp at gmail.com. But yeah, more, more than welcome to, to connect and, and interact with your listeners and uh, anytime. Thank you. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you'd like to know more of our guest mentor today, the bio and resources, you can find all that at sitnshow.com. You will also get access to early show, blog, also for subscription to our newsletter for activities and resources that are going to help you continue to build your strength and capabilities along the journey of finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback and suggestion. Or if there's a guest mentor that you'd like to hear on the show, drop me a message on LinkedIn. I would love to connect and hear from you. Let us keep building our strength in the numbers while growing a finance community that contributes positively to the society.